Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA radio wherever they get their podcasts. WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. Hello, everybody. In the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre, it is John Hindorf and Jeremy Shaw, but I want to head straight down to the pit lane trackside at Canadian Time Motorsport Park for Shay Adam, who is with us uh, this morning, this early morning, uh, as it is just before 8 o'clock uh, in the morning. Cars are getting ready to go out. The shadows are still pretty long. Good morning to Shay Adam. Hello, Shay. How are you? Good morning, John. I'm doing well, thanks. It is a beautiful morning here in Canada. A bit of chill in the air, as it has been known to do on these summer mornings. But we have 24 race cars ready to go out for this hour and 45-minute practice session. It is the weird one, the one that is broken up into pieces. So it is LMP3 and GTD that are seeing the green flag now as it is waved in the background quite vigorously. So just to give you a quick few entry list updates for those two classes first and then we'll get the pro classes on the back end for 15 minutes on their own the 13 awa lmp3 machine the last time we saw this car it was in a lot of different pieces this is the yellow and black one well the crew was actually very fortunate no chassis damage they stayed in watkins glen they had the car repaired by tuesday fully which is perfect and the car out on track is the same car that was at Watkins Glen so that is good news for them as far as driver changes go in GTD well we've got Kamoi Kobayashi filling in for Jack Hawksworth in the number 14 Vassar Sullivan Lexus that is a pro entry and in the other pro entry with the different driver lineup that is Daniel Yucadella who was fastest yesterday in the Mercedes for WeatherTech Racing he joins Cooper McNeil as far as GTD normal goes well some of our usual runners and riders have not made it north of the border including Carbon due to that crash at Watkins Glen they have sourced a new car and they have begun building it back up that should be back out at Lime Rock and this is a sprint only weekend we are also missing Wright Motorsports with their number 16 Porsche and the championship leader for overall and again this is not an overall weekend Stephen McLear Gilbert Cawthorf not making it north of the border we have six GTD cars here though and right now we've got one LMP3 out on track Thank you, Shea. Shea Adam joining us uh, from pit wall there as the cars uh, went out onto the track. Jeremy Shaw is with me, John Hindorff, in the Hagany Global Broadcast Centre. That incident between the two LMP2s and the Carbon Lamborghini, Jeremy, has had implications for the two drivers of the P2. Yeah, good morning, John. Good morning, everybody. Uh, indeed so. Uh, and that's there were no penalties issued during the race last weekend but uh, since then uh, they've had a further review of that situation uh, heading down the hill towards turn seven there last weekend and the two drivers involved in the lp2 cars was dylan murray who drives the racing team netherland entry and fabio shearer in the uh, uh, full-time racing number 20 car both have been placed on probation for four races so any other 
Um, misdemeanors during those four races will result in a, in a stiffer penalty. Um, quite frankly, I was a bit surprised it's not more than that because I thought that was an egregious piece of driving by both of those two. Uh, they were banging doors going down the hill and it ended up being a being kind of a ping pong machine in the end that uh, the car bar Lamborghini was completely uh, minding his own business. Jeff Westfall at the wheel of that car it was a huge crash he had. Very lucky that he himself wasn't injured, but the car was totally destroyed. So, um, yes, so at least something has been done because uh, that, sort of drive, that sort of standard of driving, uh, I think, should not be tolerated and wasn't. In terms of the championship, Jeremy, as she said, it is only a sprint round for the GTD runners. Indeed so, yes. Uh, so it, it'll, be, it'll be round eight for DPI out of ten. So only two races to go for DPI after this weekend, that being Road America in a few weeks or next month, and then Petit Le Mans at the end of the season. For LMP3, this is round four. For GTD Pro, this is round six. And as you say, for GTD, it's, it's uh, Sprint Cup only. This is round five out of that uh, series with the sprint races to go at Lime Rock, um, Road America, and VIR. So yeah, it's all it's all it's all you know, the mix and match here amongst the IMSA series, which is which I like. Uh, the fact we have diff you know, different fields at different races uh, this weekend. Just the 24 cars then from the four <laughs> classes, uh, that being DPI, LMP3, GTD Pro, and GTD. And uh, yes, yeah, surprising, there's only six entries in GTD, but I say, as Shay was explaining, there's a bunch of reasons for that. Number 39 car, of course, taking out now championship contention uh, with that uh, heavy crash last week. Uh, but the the car that the only car that's here that wasn't at Watkins Glen last weekend is number 50, number 51 car, the Rick Ware Racing Acura in GTD. Uh, that team concentrating just on the Sprint Cup this season. So only six cars in GTD. That's the smallest field we've had in GTD for a long, long time. But I don't expect it to be any less competitive, John. No, indeed not. And uh, the, it'll be spread between the, the manufacturers as well. As we know, each of the manufacturers are very very competitive a little bit of a, a wind blowing this morning it is uh, a chilly 68 fahrenheit on track which is spot on 20 degrees uh, in the centigrade scale or 18 degrees in the air that is uh, 64 fahrenheit uh, i'm sorry just have to do the the maths there let me tell you who's out for who just uh, having crossed the line colin brown going down into turn one in the tangerine white and blue Core Autosport number 54. Collins just gone through with the fastest time of the morning so far, 112.7. Joao Barbosa's for Sean Creech Motorsport in the 33, the Stars and Stripes car. Carl Marcelli for AWA. Carl Marcelli going through in second, in fact, uh, in as he goes through in the AWA number 13. And in GTD, it's Bill Oberlin for Turner Motorsport, who goes through in a 117.2. Uh, and then it is uh, Frankie Montecalvo for Vasa Sullivan in second and third. Madison Snow in the number one, Paul Miller Racing, BMW M4 GT3. Happy Canada Day for yesterday to all of you listening here on the PA on a 90.7 FM around the circuit, around the world 
on RS2, the home of IMSA Radio via IMSAradio.com. And on Sunday for this race, Sirius XM 207, flag to flag. And when we say that, we mean it. Uh, no interruptions. Uh, and, of course, uh, for those of you outside of the US where the race is on NBC, big NBC, at the weekend. But for those of you outside the US, IMSA Radio uh, will have the international, the World Feed TV uh, on the stream for you as well. So sound and vision. So, the circuit has had some change. Got one or two little points arising from uh, last week that we'll cover in a moment. But there has been some changes to the circuit, Jeremy, and some resurfacing here. Uh, more uh, infrastructure uh, investment here by the ownership group, which seems to have been ongoing, even though IMSA hasn't been here for since, what, 2019? Yeah, is there? Okay. Uh, um, uh, yeah, there's some resurfacing. I was told that last weekend that the track had been, had been resurfaced. Uh, not the case. It, parts of it had been resurfaced. Uh, and we can see there uh, the, the, the final couple of corners uh, being, I think, pr most notable for that. Uh, because I was, I was speaking to a few people last weekend, uh, and they were telling me that uh, the, the, if, they had been, if it had been resurfaced, they were surprised because uh, it seemed uh, just as bumpy, if not more so, uh than before, but also, uh, as we can see there, uh, turn two, uh, a, a section of that from the top of the hill down to the bottom, effectively, has been resurfaced as well. So it's, it's still the same sort of challenge here, uh, but it is a wonderful facility and great for IMSA to be back here because this, this is a track that everybody missed. It's, it's fast, it's, uh, it's sketchy, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really tricky track, but, um, it, and it's relatively short, but it is fast and it is a super challenge. Uh, Ashir is uh, listening in uh, down there in the pits. You did the track walk uh, yesterday. There's a lot of new, darker uh, asphalt uh, around the circuit. And whilst the, some of the signature bumps are still there, I noticed the one at turn two as you turn in, that's gone. Uh, and there's far less light-coloured concrete in the wear areas. That's been uh, replaced some quite large swathes, Shear, of, of new track surface here. Yeah, I spent about half the lap trying to figure out if it had been resurfaced as a whole as a track. I think it actually has, and maybe it just wasn't as recent as this winter, but maybe the previous one even before that. But large patches of the track, such as 2, 5, and 8, have been resealed recently, which is why they are so much darker. And, well, 9 and 10, the final two corners as well. Uh, but they are much darker it is a much different track feel on your tennis shoes. And the weird thing is, John, as it is with Sebring, some of the bumps have moved, including one that is now at the apex of turn one, catching quite a few drivers out. That's always been a bit bumpy there, Shea. Before we move on to some, some more times coming in, and we've got uh, five P3s ahead of six GTD, so my OCD is, uh, is happy at the moment. Uh, we When we left last, our our... Uh, race broadcast uh, just under a week ago at Watkins Glen International. As we were in Michelin post-race tech, we started to hear the uh, problems that some teams had had with the revised drive time uh, that IMSA had issued. Um, let me give you the background to this. We were stopped for just under an hour, 57 minutes. So IMSA reduced the drive time um, requirements in the classes. Uh, by the exact percentage of the race that we lost. 
that brought the drive time requirement down from 1 hour 30 to 1 hour 17. Unfortunately, that meant that some teams could not make the drive time with one of their drivers. Who was affected by that year and, and, and what's, uh, what's the consequences? Oof. Uh, well, several drivers and teams were affected by that. I think there were eight or nine of them total across three different classes. Basically, what happened was if you did not meet that adjusted minimum drive time, which was calculated by an algorithm that is written out in the rulebook, and they showed all their maths, they showed the work in a separate document, so you can't argue with them just plucking a number out of thin air. If you did not meet that minimum drive time, you were moved to the back of your class. Now, there were some cars that were not running at the end of the race, but because they had met 90% of the race distance and didn't meet drive time even still, they were then moved to the back of the class. Well, with so many cars moved to the back of the class, you might wonder, how do they get moved? It's by the amount of drive time missed. So the car that missed the least amount of drive time for GTD, for example, was the car that crossed the finish line first, the 57 Windward Mercedes. Phil Ellis was short by, I think it was 46 seconds worth of drive time. They were classified ahead of, say, Paul Miller Racing, where Brian Sellers missed minimum drive time by four minutes, but that car didn't finish because they sustained crash damage from the contact with Paul Holton. So there were a slew of cars. There was one in uh, LMP3, the 36 Andretti Autosport. They missed minimum drive time as well. They were the only car in that class, though, so that was simple to move them to the back of the pack, but unfortunately meant they didn't get a podium finish. Uh, the 25 BMW that went on to win the race in GTD Pro, they were moved to the back of the class because John Edwards didn't meet minimum drive time. So there were a lot of runners and riders affected, and as I said, there were more uh, then I think it was 10 notices posted on the penalty board in the days following the announcement. So a lot to try and keep up with. But what it means, 10-minute minimum drive time here for the DPIs, 45 minutes for everybody else. Pay attention to the clock. Problem was, Jeremy, that for particularly the BMW, the number 25, John Edwards could never have got his drive time. Uh, they'd saved him for the last two hours. There's three drivers, two, two, and two. And the reduction in time meant that um, he couldn't get his drive time. See above for Phil Ellis. The other problem was that as per uh, IMSA competition regulations, drivers that didn't have the driver that needed more time in to do the last 35 minutes when the clock restarted, and the clock was held at 35 minutes uh, to, the, to get to the end of the race, they had to come in and any time within the the pit lane of course doesn't count so I'm, I'm sure you were the same I talked to quite a lot of people before I left Watkins Glen who were not very happy because it was impossible for them to meet that revised drive time and I wonder if IMSA will be looking at this as they normally do to get a more equitable way of doing it because it seemed to the people I talked to that they were being unfairly penalised for keeping a driver back into the last two hours when you've got a six hour race yeah, it was, it was somewhat embarrassing, uh, has, to, has to be said. Um, and there were nine cars in total, by the way, that failed to meet the drive time. There was number 32, the, the team Courthouse Motorsport Mercedes, number 57, which was the Windward Racing uh, Mercedes, number 42, NTE Sport SSR Lamborghini, number one, Paul Miller Racing BMW, number 99, Hardpoint Porsche, number 59, Crucial McLaren, and number 12, Vassar Sullivan Lexus. So all of those, that's, that's an awful lot, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think that rule needs to be revisited uh, because 
that there were so many teams that were called out by it. But to be fair, the the teams have an option that they could decide when their drivers you know, are at the wheel during the race. The the tendency is to keep your fastest driver till the end. You know, keep 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 the quickest driver out of the car until it really matters towards the end of the race. Uh, that's a legitimate strategy. Uh, but it, and it was those teams in particular that were caught out by this. If that each of those drivers had been put in the rotation earlier in the event, it wouldn't have been a, been a problem, like it would, wasn't a problem for, for all of the other teams that were not affected by this penalty. So, you know, you can kind of see it both ways, but the, the number of cars, mean, I, I think that needs to be, uh, that needs to be um, looked at. Uh, you know, I mean, if that red flag had been earlier in the race, everybody would have been able to adjust themselves uh, appropriately because it was right toward the end uh, and within that the final drive time period so to speak uh, everybody had to do an hour and 40 whatever it was then it wouldn't have been a problem Uh, but it was just circumstances that played against everybody yeah two things that need need to be looked at there um you, you can't make people plan for a red flag for a 57 minute red flag and adjust their strategy accordingly that clearly isn't going to happen and none of the teams want to have to do that and that would have affected their strategy the other thing is even if you you're not allowed to change your driver from when the red flag is thrown until the pits get reopened again and that whole um that whole shuffling through um made basically lost another 10 minutes of potential drive time for people before pits got opened um i I said it at the time and i'll say it again i think we should have just rolled off behind the safety car done a warm-up lap and gone green and then anybody who needed to make pit stops um would have had to make green flag pit stops um there's a lot to be unpacked from that what we know from imsa down through the years is that they will be listening uh, to the paddock there will be a number of suggestions here at Canadian Time Motorsport Park in the LMS era. Um, there was a safety car incident uh, where the race was uh, was broken up, uh, and the safety car uh, basically the the race control lost control of the safety car. That was their words, not mine, and that prompted some major wholesale changes in the sporting regulations. I suspect that this will do the same. Uh, it might well be more than the odd paragraph but clearly something has to be done when the red flag comes uh, later in the race for people who do backload those drivers who only had uh, those cars who only had two drivers didn't have the problem that was acknowledged in fact by Risi Competizione wasn't it getting back on to the podium right well that's that one talked about your tweets please at IMSA Radio if you've got any thoughts on that that'll come in to us here at the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Thanks for waiting, Earl Bamba, who's down in the pit lane with Shea Adam. Earl was a race winner the last time we came to Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. It was in a slightly different vehicle than the DPI, though. How much fun is this high downforce prototype around this track? Uh, It's really fun to be around here again. I mean, um, it's awesome to be back up in Canada. and It's one of the favourite tracks on the calendar, and it's one that I've had, a, had an eye on for a while because it was faster than a GT. And I can tell you it was even faster than a DPI. But um, no, it was cool that yesterday. It was scary. We had some big moments. Um, you know, bottoming and controlling the car is quite a big task for the teams. But um, yeah, the car was pretty good to start off. There was a lot of um, bottoming out and almost porpoising of the Acuras. Were you feeling that in the Cadillacs as well? Yeah, I mean, um, we, we were trying it as well. And these cars, you know, just like Formula One, getting low is downforce and speed. And um, 
you know, we're going to push the limits. So we certainly push the limits for everyone in uh, FP1. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully we can make it a little bit of a smoother ride uh, for FP2 now. Is it a relief going around here not having to look in your mirrors for DPIs coming up on you? It, it is certainly easier. Um, but you have to remind yourself to occasionally look. But, um, yeah, it's kind of a different mentality. We're used to the GT having radar and all that sort of stuff to, to have the traffic. But certainly having done the GT, it helps you a lot with the DPI traffic as well because you sort of know what they're going through. You know where they're going to drive as well and the lines they're going to take. So it definitely helps um, in the race trim. But, yeah, it, it's it's a big challenge around here. And it's a lower car count, but with the lower you know, mileage and the speed differential, we actually hit traffic just as much as what we did with the big car count at Watkins Glen. So um, it's going to be a challenge for us and it comes tomorrow. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. And just in case you were wondering, Shadam wasn't sitting alongside uh, Earl Bamba there with that uh, onboard car noise behind her. That was the number 60 Acura uh, heading down the back straight now. And heading into the insanely quick turn eight at the end of the long back straight. Let's take a look at some of the times, people. Durrani, 107.709, best time in DPI. Jeremy, how does that stack up? Well, uh, it stacks up uh, thus. Yesterday, the fastest time was set by Tom Blomquist and Sebastian Bourdais. What do you mean, Tom Blomquist and Sebastian Bourdais? Yes, they said identical lap times yesterday, uh, that pair. One in Acura, of course, one in the Cadillac. A 105. 0.712. Uh, that relates to the track records. Thus, Oliver Jarvis has the race lap record here, which is 106.093. So already three tenths faster than that yesterday in FP1. The qualifying lap record uh, was by Colin Brown in the Nissan DPI car, uh, 105.472. And of course, these records uh, were set back in 2019, which was of course the last time that uh, the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship was on the hallowed grounds here on the outskirts of Bowmanville, Ontario. So it's been a long time, many, many changes since then. So I think those lap records are going to tumble this weekend, particularly with that uh, partial track resurfacing that has taken place since then and all the advances in technology we've seen over the last three years, John. And what about the other classes then? Colin Brown's quickest in LMP3 with a 111.309. Yeah, and uh, the LMP3 cars that haven't been here in uh, the IMSA World Tech Sports Car Championship, so that is a record that will be established this weekend. In GTD, the fastest time in qualifying previously was Jack Hawksworth back in 2018 at a 1 minute 15.581. Race lap record back in 2017 was Tristan Vautier 116.825 the fastest times yesterday in GTD were 116.520 for uh, Daniel Junkadela in the WeatherTech Racing Proton Mercedes so again you know, I think uh, the uh, lap times are, are definitely going to take a beating I think in all of the categories 90.7 FM around the circuit and around the world on imsaradio.com. Hit the live listen button. Tell your friends that they could be tuned in as well. We'll have all of the remaining sessions uh, to 
outcome for you for WeatherTech, including live in Sound and Vision qualifying later on today. Uh, and then uh, we'll have Countdown to Green and the whole race uh, live tomorrow. Uh, as far as the other track action going on here, uh, we do have uh, the IMSA Pilot Challenge race for you uh, as well, and that will be envisioned for those of you outside the US. And fitting in nicely between our coverage uh, from Road America, two rounds of the Edemitsu Mazda MX-5 Cup uh, coming up one directly after this session and then one at the same time tomorrow. And that those, of course, are again in sound and vision, whether you're here in the US or further afield. That's all on imsaradio.com. Uh, sound on Listen Live, video on the live video tab at the top left of the field just on an hour and 21 minutes still to go and everybody is out on the track so it is six dpis from six lmp3s not quite got the gtds and the gtd pros sorted out as normal earlier on jeremy the gtds are showing a little bit more pace than the gtd pros but that is as I say, that's pretty standard operational procedure, and they are exactly the same specification of cars, of course. Yes, indeed, and, and uh, lots of different cars out there as well. Even though we've only got uh, six in each, we've got uh, we've got you know it, it, it is tremendously competitive. And yeah, you're right. If, normally, in practice, at least the uh, GTD Pro cars tend to be behind the GTDs. But last weekend, after the six hours, particularly with the number 25 car being put to the back, the top two or was it three cars in gtd overall were non-pro entries at the end of the six hours so that was pretty interesting to see a feather in the cap i think of those gtd teams last weekend but uh, yeah it's it's a super competitive class and your times yesterday in the practice session were as usual ridiculously close with with all 12 cars uh, out on the track covered by about three quarters of a second so it, it was super tight out there. So spot on, an hour and 20 minutes to go at IMSA Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with us, thank you for being with us for this session. Time's improving all the time. Colin Brown comes into the pit in the 54 Flexbox Core Autosport car. And times this morning are quite a bit quicker than yesterday already John the cooler temperatures this morning uh, I think it's absolutely perfect for fast lap times at the moment with uh, much of the back straight covered in in uh, in, in shade there as well uh, so track temperature nothing like as high as it will get later on today uh, in LMP3 Colin Brown's time this morning 111.309 that is uh, basically all but almost a full second faster than Garrett Grist managed yesterday in that number 31 car for Junior 3 Racing. And by the way, that, that number 30 car this weekend, that's the car that should have been driving, be, being driven, I should, excuse me, in the prototype challenge race that will take place tomorrow morning. Um, but the, the, the regular WeatherTech number 30 car for Ari Baylog and Garrett Grist uh, was uh, was badly damaged last weekend in a pit fire uh, at uh, Watkins Glen. So that car has not been able to be repaired in time. So 
uh, Ari Baylog has withdrawn the number 30 car from the Prototype Challenge car. That is the car that he is running in the WeatherTech race this weekend. And he himself will step across into number three car in the Prototype Challenge to share that with Courtney Crone this weekend. So there's some shuffling there in DPI. And also in DCD, times a lot faster this morning, John. Adam down in the pit lane with the Turner Motorsport driver, Robbie Foley. Continuing along in the pattern of finding people who last won the last time we raced at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, Robbie Foley. It was a different car that took you to victory then, but does it still feel as good as the M6 did back in 2019? Yeah, we're getting there. I think um, we're, Phil's running through some changes right now to try to find a little bit more grip and, and better balance. The car is pretty quick, we think. It's very hard to say some uh you know what tires people are on and things like that but um yeah we're working through it every time we go to a new track with this car we're learning and we're expanding our base of knowledge um so we think we're in pretty good shape but time will tell for qualifying later when you come back to a track that you haven't been to in a couple of years and you're doing double duty how much of an extra help is that to you and bill yeah for sure it's something um honestly it's probably my favorite track or one of my favorite tracks to drive um, so I always love coming here but yeah it's good to uh, it's good to get going again in Mosport and Canadian entire Motorsport Park and uh, yeah hopefully we can repeat on our success. Is it really just a light breathe of the throttle going into one now I'm not seeing a lot of brake lights on these GT3 cars. Yeah it's it's pretty fast I think the new pavement added a little bit of grip um, lap times aren't are a little bit quicker but it's uh, it's hard to say I think as the track rubbers in um, but uh, I got to go drive now, apparently, so. Go get in the car. Go be fast. Thanks. We'll do. <laughs> yes. I was just about to shout up from behind you. Uh, it's behind. I know it's not pantomime season, but the uh, Turner BMW is behind you. Uh, and also coming into the pit lane as well uh, is Gar Robinson in the Riley Motorsports Leisure. Shao Barboza for Sean Creech is in there. Garrett Griss for Junior 3. Still very bumpy at the top of turn two, just after the turn in. It used to be that you turned in a tad late there and didn't go to the inside. I reckon that bump's moved half a car width out and about a car's length, maybe two cars length, back towards the top of the hill at turn two. Getting a bit of oscillation going down there. But the inside that you used to miss about halfway down actually looks a bit better. Hard to tell uh, without sitting in a car. I'm sure it doesn't feel that much better, but the P3 car is certainly looking uh, very, very antsy at the top of the hill at turn two. Of course, much more runoff and much more hard standing of runoff rather than grass than when we used to come here a few years ago. But that still, Jeremy, is a pretty daunting turn in blind over the top of turn two, dropping down to the bottom of the hill there. Well, it certainly is. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a this is a one of the all-time tr uh, great tracks anywhere in the world in terms of a challenge here. Totally uh, and and those bumps here, that's that's part of the of the, of the character here. So uh, you know, I mean, it, drivers certainly won't be complaining by that at all. By the way, uh, talk about LP3. The this is the first time that the uh, WeatherTech. The, 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 those cars have been here in WeatherTech trim. They have been here in the IPC, the, the IMSA Prototype Challenge before, and the lap record then in qualifying was set back in 2019 by Stephen McAleer at a 
the fastest time so far, well, yesterday was a 12.2 by Garrett Grist. Today, uh, it's already down in the 11s, 11.3, I think, for uh, for Colin Brown. And that car, that was really leaping around, wasn't it? Gosh, no wonder the drivers were telling me last weekend that, uh, that some of the people have been here doing some testing. They said uh, <laughs> it's it's still the same challenge as oh, yeah. it ever was. Yeah, at, in, up into uh, Moss Corner, the hairpin at the far end of the circuit named after Sir Sterling Moss of course but not just named after him he was uh, instrumental in the design of, of that corner so if you're going to name a corner after someone uh, the fact that they helped carve it out is the same as the uh, same as the Clark curves at, uh, at Croft in my old stomping ground legend has it that uh, that was marked out by Jim Clark himself that has been Mott's corner here it's really two corners to be honest almost three 7A, 7B and 7C that's been the site of some extraordinary overtaking manoeuvres slightly uphill braking area which helps you slow down and that makes you break insanely late so getting to the inside of somebody there takes an extraordinary effort. It can be done, though. Wow. Now, interestingly, the DPI, the 0-1 of uh, Renga van der Zander, looked much more stable through turn three, but was way... Through turn two, excuse me, but was way off the track at the bottom of the hill. If that had been qualifying, that lap would have been disallowed. It looks like that car might be running a little softer, Jeremy, because it's not being affected by the bumps nearly as much as the LMP3 cars that we've been seeing at, at full speed through Turn 3 and then going into Moss Corner. Yeah, it would appear so. And certainly, as we heard from Earl Bamber yesterday, they were working on the uh, sort of pliability, if you like, over the bumps for that uh, for the, uh, the Cadillac Racing Chip Ganassi cars. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of experimentation and it's certainly good news for, for Cadillac that they have these you know, different weapons to try out some different things out there. You know, two teammates can try different setups, see which one is, is optimal either for qualifying trim or for longer runs that will happen during the race tomorrow. So uh, that having that, that that is the sort of reason that that is the reason that two car teams have a de distinct advantage, particularly on a track where no one has raced for the last three years. Oh, yes. Uh, and, you know, f f so, you know, it's uh, it's great. And um, and. GTD Pro, by the way, it was so long ago, the C8R has not been here to uh, Canadian Time Motorsport before because back in 2019, uh, they were still running the C7R. So, you know, this, this new mid-engine car, and of course, it's Chevrolet that's backing the event this weekend. That's uh, great news. Chevrolet, uh, a lot of support here, of course, north of the border, particularly the fact that one of the track principals, Ron Fellows, had such a, uh, a stellar history with Corvette Racing. Uh, it's wonderful that Chevrolet has come aboard this event and great for the fans to be able to see the C8R GTD in GTD form racing here for the first time. Yeah, I, I think I may have inadvertently called uh, Muscona 7A B and C. It's 5A B and C. Why I said 7? Yeah, AB. Uh, and, and yeah, that, that corner, yeah, you talk about Sterling Moss, uh, Sir Sterling Moss being involved in the in the design and making some some input there I, I so story says that 
the original plan was to have it you know, a regular hairpin correct at, uh, at turn five which is at the uh, southern end of the racetrack uh, but it was at sir sterling's suggestion that they made it kind of two 90 degree corners with a very short straight in between the two and it certainly is a very characteristic feature of this racetrack it's a, a, a different turn it's not the sort of turn you see probably anywhere else in the world so uh, no. it, it's you know, yet another reason why this racetrack is so beloved i think the fact it is unique yeah and it's across the hill isn't it when you come in through the first part of five as i say it's a slightly uphill braking area and then you're across the hill and turning into <coughs> excuse me the, the second part of it The hill is actually falling away again, so you really are on the geography here, Jeremy. Yeah, brilliant, and and that, you know that's what that's the, the, all the best racetracks in the world have these uh, t topographical features that uh, that are uh, outstanding, and and it's it's wonderful that the track designers here certainly, as as in many of the, the great classic venues around the world, use that topography to the circuit's benefit, and uh, and uh, you know this is just a really really cool place to drive a racing car I'm sure I've never raced around here but uh, it's a fabulous place I've driven some very nice cars around here including piloting Ron Fellows around in a Corvette um, and I can tell you in the early morning it is quite slippery around here and um, very nearly put Ron and brand new Corvette into the right hand side wall uh, after turn one on the change the old change of surface there Ron to his credit carried on his sentence and then just turned to look at me and went nice hands which I thought was was quite good. Uh, let's go down to the pit lane and share Adam, who has the fastest driver in LMP3 at the number 54 Court Autosport Garage. I think you could probably just put that on a loop and play it forever. Colin Brown, whenever you get out of the car here, you've got such a big smile on your face. The LMP3 machine is quite different from the Orica that we saw you win the race overall in 2018. How do you adapt your brain mentally to not be in the top class here? Well, you know, it's crazy when you drive these different kinds of cars, right? I've driven DPI, P2, P3, and it's weird how similar they all are, really. You know, turn one's always just a little bit of a lift. You want to do it flat, whether it's the Orica P2, the DPI, this P3 car. So it's kind of like similar. It just doesn't happen quite as fast. I mean, these things are still fast, but it's just, you know, the volume's turned down a little bit. But, man, the feeling is the same if... If you didn't have a sense of the lap time you were doing, like you're working just as hard and the corners are just kind of the same feel across all those top three classes. So, um, you know, a lot of fun. I love this place. One of my favorite racetracks. And, um, you know, it's nice when the car's under you. It's back this weekend, just the two driver format, just you and John. How nice is it to get back in that familiar swing? Yeah, it's nice, you know, and I think IMSA's done a great job with hour and a half long practices. Um, you know, with two drivers... And an hour, you can get a little bit done, but not a lot. This hour and a half affords us just a little bit of extra time. We're able to make a change or two more than we normally would. And we didn't get a chance to come up here and test. So, you know, yesterday we were decent. We made some good changes overnight, unloaded a lot better this morning, and, and kept polishing it. So, um, yeah, it's nice to get into that two-driver, you know, knowing you have some time in practice. John gets some good clear laps, and I think the classes they brought here are great. I mean, traffic's been no real issue for us, and, um, you know, DPIs are fast enough, and GTDs are slow enough that it's, we fit in really nice. That's cool. Uh, where around the track is different from the last time you were here? We know the repave and the reseal. Yeah, they've done a great job, this place, repaving, you know. Um, but, man, you know, it's kind of the same old, same old. It's just a little smoother in some places, so... 
Turn two is probably the biggest difference with the whole thing being repaved edge to edge. Uh, it makes the the line not so important. You know, before you had a strip of pavement, you had to get the car on like a kind of like a Velcro strip. Now the whole thing is that way, so you can just kind of fling it in there. Hope you get on a decent line, but if not, you can run wide and it's fine too. So I really like that kind of corner. It reminds me a lot of driving back in my NASCAR days when if you kind of plan to use the bottom, you could always switch to the top uh, lane. So kind of similar here in turn two. Very cool. Thanks, Colin. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, just being reminded by John DeGeese, Sports Car 365, that the whole track was early, uh, was resurfaced in early 2020, just as the pandemic started, and there's been additional work done uh, since then. Hello, John. Thanks for tuning in, keeping us uh, keeping us straight. At Imsa Radio, if you'd like to get in touch with us, by the way. And uh, if you want to catch up on all the weekend's action, heartily recommend Sports Car 365. John and the team, hardest working people in endurance motorsport, get right to the bottom of the stories and not the sort of people who just reprint press releases. They are talking to all the principals as well. Get you the story behind the story, if you will. Well done, John and the team. I know it's been a busy few weeks for you guys as well with the travelling and uh, multiple races around the world. At Imsa Radio, if you'd like to get in touch with us, 90.7 FM around the circuit and uh, on the PA system here. Good morning to those of you who are hearing our voices. We've got just on 65 minutes remaining, the last 15 of which are reserved for the pro category cars. The GTD Pros and the DPIs, the first 15 were for the P3s and the GTDs. As it stands, it's a Cadillac and Acura battle, of course, in DPIs, it always is. And it's Acura who holds sway by about two and a half tenths of a second at the moment. Ricky Taylor's out in the fastest car at the moment, the Koenig and all the Acura number 10. That's the glossy black and light blue machine. And off for one of the Lexus racing cars. So that is, I think, the oh, it's a big one as well for Aaron Tielitz. Uh, and that car has been, con- he's out of it, thank goodness. And out of the car, red flag is out. Got out on his own, already been talking to the crew. And that is a huge incident at turn three, just where we were talking about. Uh, and the Lexus RCF GT3 has been comprehensively dismantled, but all of the safety design features have been tested and not found wanting, thank goodness. They've stood that test, Jeremy. Great to see the driver is walking around and goes back to the car just to see, if, to remind himself if he's turned everything off. Very, very fast part of the circuit and just went a little bit wide on the exit of turn three at the top of the hill. And then I think fortunately hit the wall where there was still uh, where there was still a tyre barrier there. Excuse me, that was Ben Barnegat's car. That was the number 14 machine, not the number the 12. Uh, ben walking around behind the car. I see him now. So that is the Ben Barnicut car that has gone off in the dust and taken yeah. off the front bodywork and the driver's door. But Ben 
uh, seemingly, Jeremy, thankfully, none the worse for wear. Yeah, the driver, yes, car, no. Uh, and, you know, that's, we've seen that, uh, that incident numerous times over the years at the exit of Turn 3. It's, it's the, uh, the gr- it, you get off of the grass there, and it's pr- pretty rough out there, and it kind of digs in, and then it, uh, you've got no control at all. Just a, a quick replay. They just run a little bit wide on the exit. I mean, that's what you have to do. You have to use all the racetrack there to get the ultimate lap time out of it. Uh, but if you stray over that, you're on the grass right away, and it's bumpy there, and then you're a passenger after that. So, uh, you know, this is the first time here for both Ben Barnicott and Aaron Tielitz. Aaron's never raced here either, remarkably. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a heavy, heavy crash there for uh, Ben Barnicott. And he's sharing that number 14 car this weekend, by the way, with Kamui Kobayashi. At least he hope he is, assuming they can get that car repaired. I, I would imagine so. Uh, but uh, Jack Hawksworth, unfortunately, still not yet been medically cleared to drive as, uh, after his uh, motocross accident uh, some weeks ago and with Carl Kirkwood committed to the NTT IndyCar series this weekend at Mid-Ohio then uh, and and uh, and the other car you know, the GCD car being here as well then uh, Kamu Kobayashi who's a, a factory driver of course for Toyota has been uh, ushered into that car with Ben Barnicott and making his GTD Pro debut this weekend Just to confirm that that was the GTD Pro car, the third in class, the number 14, not as I originally said, the number 12. That's the car that is leading the GTD category further up the standings, actually. Aaron Tealitz back in the pit lane. And uh, that car is in immaculate shape, as is Aaron. Uh, ben Barnicott looks in pretty good shape as well. So it is the 14 car, not as I originally said, the 12. Apologies. Uh, for those of you down in the pit lane, uh, particularly at Vassar Sullivan and particularly the connections of Aaron. Uh, but it, uh, both drivers are OK. One of the cars isn't, and it's the 14. Uh, looks like a long evening for Vassar Sullivan there. So, clean-up going on. The clock will run. We're down to about an hour. Opportunity for us to see... Good morning to our AMR safety crew, to track services who have always been excellent here and indeed all of our volunteer officials, corner workers, flaggers, etc. Professional in everything other than being paid huge amounts of money but their dedication and knowledge is beyond compare and without all of our volunteers we simply can't go motor racing. So ladies, gentlemen, thank you very much indeed for giving us the most precious thing you can, which is your time and allowing us to go motor racing. And I'll extend that, by the way, to everyone who is working here, whether you are pointing people into car parks, checking tickets or whatever. We really appreciate you being involved here at the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship Chevrolet Grand Prix here at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. A lot goes into putting these events on and no one's forgotten how to do it, quite clearly. And the final thank you I would like to put out there is to all you fans, trackside, listening on 90.7 FM, CTMP radio uh, and on the PA system because it's great to have you back. You have such passion for this form of motor racing and it's been almost as hard for us not coming here as it is for you not seeing us. I'm sure much harder for you not seeing uh, the racing at your home circuit. But we have missed coming to this fabulous circuit 
thank you for voting with your feet, with your time and with your wallets and coming here this weekend to support IMSA and Canadian Tower Motorsport Park. Looks like a big crowd as well, Jeremy. The campgrounds were pretty full yesterday and I think there's a few more people come up overnight and down by the, uh, by the, the track side and by the fence side, not that much room, to be honest, already. Yeah, looks like, like it there, particularly at, uh, at turn three there, all the way around the outside there, uh, a, a, a sea of people and campsites, your camping uh, setups there. Wonderful to see. I mean, this is a great racetrack, and it looks like the weather uh, is pretty nice this weekend as well. Not not too hot. It can get pretty hot and sticky up here this time of the year. Uh, as Shay was saying, we can have cool mornings as well. So a bit of everything here. Uh, but uh, it's it's yeah, absolutely perfect conditions at the moment. Opportunity for us to talk to some drivers, and Shea Adam has already wrangled one uh, from Aston Martin and Heart of Racing, double winners last time out. It's Roman DeAngelis. It's not like he fought that hard, in fairness. Roman, you come to Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. This is home track, in essence, but it feels different because you're in a GT3 car for the first time. What are the speeds like? Yeah, I have a lot of time here in a, in a cup car and Formula Ford and uh, LMP3, so definitely a lot different than the GT3. Um, I also haven't been here in two years, so definitely uh, pretty crazy to be back here, and it's such an amazing track. Um, definitely pretty eye-opening the first session again to try to find, find your comfort here. Um, it's not as easy as, you know, breaking at the 200 or breaking at the three like some tracks. Um, this place is all confidence. There's not much braking involved at all here, so especially in a, in a GT3 versus a cup car, so... Really happy to be back. Um, happy that all the there's a lot of fans here again as well. So it's good to see that we're uh, we're back racing in Canada. So on Canada Day weekend, which is pretty special. Yeah, it doesn't get better than that for a Canadian. And should clarify when you say Cup car, you don't mean NASCAR Cup. You mean Porsche Cup. So it's still a very powerful, well handling race car. But what is the Aston Martin like around here? Yeah, a lot more downforce. Um, so just a lot higher corner speeds um, than what than what the Porsche was um, in. in Prayer Cup or whatever it was back then, yeah. um, challenge. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a massive difference, the balance as well. I mean, a front engine versus a rear engine at a track with such high speeds, you really notice a difference. So um, really enjoying driving this car here. Have you seen a difference in the team and the confidence after the double win last weekend? I think it was more of a, just a morale booster. Um, I think we've always had a lot of confidence in the guys and, and engineering and everyone and the drivers. Um, we've had a good package all year. We just haven't been able to capitalize. Um, we've been unlucky with a lot of things as well. So, but that's, I mean, that's the nature of, of IMSA, the nature of sports car racing. So we'll take it when we can, and hopefully this is just a, a start for us. So, Looking forward to this weekend. How important is qualifying going to be? Because it's not the easiest thing to pass around here, is it? Yeah, I think qualifying will be everything here. Um, I mean, I'm sure some strategy will, you know, come into play with, with overtaking people and stuff like that in the pits, but um, qualifying on the pole here would, would be uh, special and also, I think, really good good place to start the race, obviously. so. Canadian fans want a Canadian on pole. Good luck in qualifying later. Thank you so much. And we'll have that qualifying for you live in sound and vision here on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV. Got one of the... Chip Ganassi Cadillacs parked halfway down the pit lane at the moment in the acceleration lane. That's the 0-2 car under this red flag. Alex Lynn, who uh, didn't go back to his pit. Not sure what's happened there. There is an official standing in front of him. 
So that's an interesting one. Uh, this is the 0-2 car that we're talking about, Alex Lynn for Cadillac Racing. Uh, now fires up and the green flag goes and that car pulls out. So really close to pit out. Well, maybe that is pit out, actually. It's just not a line uh, down there. Uh, just uh, able to catch sight, Jeremy, as it was coming back on the flatbed of the number 14, Ben Barnicott, Vassar Sullivan, Lexus RCF GT3. And... It was dramatic in terms of how it looked from on board and how it looked from outside the car and with the driver's car driver's door taking off on the left-hand side. That was pretty dramatic as well. But all the wheels, I think, were pointing in, roughly speaking, in the right direction. Now, I'm not an engineer, but they might have been slightly more fortunate than that very spectacular-looking accident may have led us to believe there with that car. Well, let's hope so. I mean, they'll have a good look over it now and, uh, and then make a final de determination of how much work is required. Of course, yeah, back in the uh, last time we were here, the, uh, the cars were looked after by uh, A Motorsport, which is based in Toronto, not far from here. So if they did have any major damage, uh, they could go back to that shop uh, relatively uh, straightforwardly. But of course, it's now taken over by Vassar Sullivan. They've got their own shop in North Carolina. Uh, so you know, the, the Canadian ties are no longer there for that team but uh, they will certainly be hoping that the damage isn't too bad because you know, they've, had a, they've had a good season, they've had some really really strong runs, they've been consistent as well and they work particularly on making sure this car works well towards the later part of a stint. In the past, historically the Lexus has been fast but it tends to chew up its tyres uh, and that, that is the aspect, I think, on which they've worked the hardest over the last several years. And they've certainly got a lot more consistency in that car. They've got some great drivers. And that is the car that is currently top of the pile in GTD. It's a non-pro car, number 12, that is fastest of all in GTD this morning. And it was Frankie Montecalvo, I believe, that set that time at a 1 minute 15.802, which is about four hundredths quicker than Alex Riberas in car number 23, the Hartley Racing GTD Pro Aston Martin. It's Jeremy Shaw, who's alongside me, John Hindhoff, in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Shea Adam is down in the pits, and she'll be toddling along to Vassar Sullivan to see what the initial inspection uh, has told them about uh, that number 14 car. Uh, that had contact with the barriers on the exit of turn number three. Ricky Taylor is out on the circuit in the fastest car today, 105.689 for the number 10, Conning and Minolta Acura. Um, getting thrown around in the cockpit, and if you listen very carefully to our onboard effect mic, you can hear the car grinding against the ground. The plank, as it's called, underneath the car, um, which determines the ride height of the car is hitting the ground at a number of places around the track hello to Richard P tweeted at IMSA radio since we are the best IMSA fans up in the, here in the Great White North come and check out the fan sign outside turn three an illuminated CTMP fantastic and we'll uh, see that a bit later on I'm sure once the light begins to fade. Hello, Richard. Thank you and your friends for coming. And hello to our broadcast team in Charlotte. Once again, giving us the opportunity to see all the way around this circuit. Great pictures from Roger Vincent again this weekend. 
looking after us along with uh, Keith D'Alessandro and the rest of the team. We've got a uh, split uh, team because uh, some of our production team are down at Road of Arica as well for the Edermitsu Mazda MX-5 Cup. And we'll have those races for you. Indeed, the first one comes in pretty short order after the end of this session on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV together. So if you're, uh, particularly if you're outside the uh, US, oh, actually, no, that's everybody gets that, don't they? So it doesn't matter whether you're in or outside of the US, you a bit to Mazda MX-5 with guest driver who has been in, I think, all versions of NASCAR in the trucks, Xfinity and in Cup this year. Parker Kligerman qualified on third on his first outing in the Cup car. Uh, major oscillations going into Moss Corner at Turn 5 for the number 60. Uh, Ollie Jarvis and Maya Shank Racing on a run of four second positions, Jeremy, which they were all so close to turning into a victory last time out at Watkins Glen. I think all four races, they were on, on the verge of victory, weren't they? And, yeah, really disappointed again uh, last weekend. They, they looked to be in control of the race and then an incredibly opportunist pass at the final restart by Philip Albuquerque took away that win from the number 60 car. But uh, it's still super tight in the in the overall points table in GTD, excuse me, in DPI, coming into this uh, this weekend with just three races to go in the uh, in the season here, uh, Road America and Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta for Petit Le Mans, and th that pass last weekend uh, exchanged that championship lead again. So 23.99 points with this new now what, three years old point scoring system we have here in IMSA to the 23.82 of Oliver Jarvis and Tom Brunquist. So Ricky Taylor and Philip Albuquerque lead the points then, but by, but by not very much uh, at all. So everything to play for. But that, that uh, pass for the win last weekend, uh, it was, uh, was absolutely critical in terms of the championship points situation for the number 10 team. And yeah, they are super, super closely matched uh, and I'm sure will continue to be so for the remaining races. The, uh, the, 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 some of the Cadillac teams were, were griping last weekend because they didn't think they were competitive with the Acuras. I don't think the data really uh, would support that. They, they were super close. It's just that the Acuras you know, got it all together in qualifying, put it on the pole position and controlled it from there. Uh, and for, for, for a goodly while in the race, the Cadillacs were, were kind of on the back foot. But I think they were just sort of play, playing it calm. And in the latter stages of the race, uh, Bourdais was right with them towards the end and, and, and Earl Bamba was too. Uh, in the closing stages uh, but uh, the Eckerts had that track position and that's what t turned out to be crucial they really, uh, they might have had a slight advantage over one lap in qualifying which of course was super important at the end of the race because they were able to use that track position and I think for the first time this season uh, the uh, the Eckerts led I think every, well they did they led every lap of the race in a six hours uh, the sailing six hours of the Glen last week I potted on down to Lexus and made my way back up now. Ben Barnacote is okay. I talked with him. He said the hit didn't really feel as hard as the car now looks. They should be able to repair it, hopefully, but it is a lot of work for the 14 Lexus guys for Vassar Sullivan. But Ben said, most importantly, the only thing that hurt right now is his pride. Aww. Yeah. Uh, 
fairly spectacular looking hit but as I say most of the wheels were pointing in the right direction left front would be the worrying area for me so let's see uh, how that is dealt with by the guys at Vasa Sullivan and Lexus Jeremy yeah and you know it was a it was a, it was a spectacular incident and, and the fact that the when the car was kind of bounding across the grass there, the front end kind of dug in at one point and a whole bunch of, uh, of earth flew up in the air and over, over the top of the car. And what that did, apart from the else, was actually you know, scrub off a fair bit of ski. Yes. So by the fact that actually, you know, the, there is no uh, uh, gravel trap up there for the exit of turn three, um, but it, it's got its own sort of natural slowing down of the cars a little bit at least. So, uh, you know, if, if that had been all asphalt on the exit of that corner, yeah, he might have been able to, to make, maintain control. Uh, but uh, it isn't, uh, and I'm glad it isn't, because it just makes it a lot more of a challenge if you do make a mistake. But yeah, it's going to bite you. And uh, as Ben said there, it, certainly, you know, it, it hurts in terms of the fact that you crashed the car. Uh, but uh, uh, but that's, you know, that's what makes this a great racetrack. The fact that it is, it's rewarding when you get it right, but it can be... Uh, not so rewarding when you make a mistake. <laughs> That's an understatement of the year, it, there, it, Mr. Shaw. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it is. It is. But yeah, turn turn to the left-hander over the brow, uh, and then that very, 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 very fast left-hander. They they have paved the outside of that, which has certainly taken away a lot of the challenge there. Because if you run right on the exit of that corner, <laughs> that was uh, seriously uh, fast. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's yeah, turn three is almost as quick, but turn two is absolutely just one of the most thrilling race corners I think in the world at any racetrack because it is super fast it's total commitment required there but there is now some runoff uh, uh, well th there used not to be much runoff there no, back, in, back in the old days uh, there's now runoff and it has been paved as well there so that has certainly made things a lot safer for the drivers let's take a look at the times as we have 44 minutes left call it 45 that's half an hour 30 minutes for the P3s and GTD Pros before we give the track over to uh, just the uh, the DPIs and the GTD Pros, rather. Uh, LMP3s and GTDs will be flagged off in 33.0 minutes' time. Uh, and let's start with GT Daytona. Still the uh, Lexus of Aaron Tielitz in the pits, but with the fastest time, the number 12 clocked 115.8 earlier on, and it is still the fastest GT car. Second place in GTD is the 96 of uh, Robbie Foley now behind the wheel of the Turner Motorsport number 96 BMW, that's the blue and yellow car, this is the number one, Stars and Stripes, Brian Sellers, Paul Miller Racing, BMW M4 GT3 is in third fourth for Phil Ellis and Windward Racing and the Mercedes number 57 the silver and black car, Max Martin Maxi Martin, Harter Racing, Aston Martin 27 is in fifth and Aidan Reid behind the wheel of the Rick Ware Racing Acura NSX GT3 get a word with Aidan uh, he's got a really good story with being following engineer by trade and a very tidy driver as well. In GTD Pro, Ross Gunn has just gone out, as has Conor De Filippi. The number 23 heart of racing, Aston Martin, leads it from in second position now. Daniel Juncadela for WeatherTech Racing, Mercedes AMG GT3. And then it's the 25 BMW M Team RLL. Just one of the BMWs from Rahal Lettenham and Lanigan Racing. The, the half of their crew are out in Italy at Delara, building two GTP cars for BMWs Assault on the top class of 
IMSA uh, for the top class of uh, IMSA and their assault on it next year. Uh, they're out at Dallara building those cars at the moment. Uh, behind the BMW is the Corvette. Actually, it's Ben Barnicutt's Vassar Sullivan Lexus, which has been looked at at the moment in the paddock area behind the pits. Then it's Jordan Taylor for Corvette number three. Uh, and then it's Matt Campbell for Faf Motorsports, another local team, the Plaid Porsche, the number nine driveway sponsored car that in the pits as well at the moment. With 42 and a half minutes to go, that's your VP Racing in session update. IMSA Radio, 90.7 FM, around the track, around the world, RS2. Part of the Radio Show Limited network of audio and visual channels. And we've got a busy weekend for you. Keep it locked in to our sound and vision here. Work still going on. Ben Barnicott down there having a look at what is going on. A fairly serious look on his face. Um, it is the left front that's getting the attention, as you might imagine. But they are putting the yeah. car down onto the ground, Jeremy, which I think is good news. Yeah, I noticed the uh, the uh, race engineer Jeff Rickling uh, was uh, having a good look at that car as well, of course. Uh, there's Kamu Kobayashi walking around as well. He'd be uh, oh, yes, didn't recognise him in the black no. and yellow <laughs> of Lexus and Vasa <laughs> Sullivan. But Lexus, of course, the uh, is an arm of Toyota and can we a uh, very experienced driver for Toyota down through the years and now, in fact, part of the management structure of Toyota Gazoo Racing in FIA World Endurance Championship as well. So it makes sense for him to, to jump across and get a little bit of experience of some IMSA GT racing. Has been part of the IMSA paddock before, though, Jeremy. Yeah, I was just driving last weekend in the uh, the Ally Cadillac in number 48 car, so this is a very different uh, challenge for Kamui. Um, he's driven at just about everything over the years, hasn't oh, yeah. he? Uh, tr tremendous character, heck of a driver. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, he'll be relishing the opportunity to drive here at uh, Canadian Tamers, what park, his first visit here. Uh, and I'm sure it was a real eye-opener for him, his first laps yesterday. That car actually ended up slowest yesterday, I think, in GTD, but not by very much. It was super tight all the way around. Let's go down to Sheer Adam in the pit lane with Honda driver Ryan Eversley here at Canadian Time Motorsport Park. Sharing in the bright purple people leader with Aiden Reed once again this weekend. Ryan, how good is it to be back at this track? Man, I love coming to Canada. The fans here are so passionate, second to none. They really, really care about motorsports. And so uh, I remember the first time I came here in 01, even as a mechanic, fans were like asking for autographs and stuff of anybody involved. And so it's always been a special place. And uh, obviously with the pandemic, not being able to come up here was sad. And our Canadian fans on social media were always tweeting about it. Like, we got to get you back. So to come back and have such a killer field. I mean, like, I know there's not a huge entry in GTD, but... With GTD Pro and then the DPs and everything, like it'll, it'll be a good race for all the fans. So I'm really happy to be here. It's been a full season of you trying to help Aiden learn all of these tracks. But coming at it from an engineering standpoint, this is more of a driver's track. How do you get him up to speed? So I think he actually, he, he struggles at the tracks where, struggles not a fair, fair word, but he, it takes him longer to get comfortable at like the, road, the street courses, you know, because the penalty for failure is through the roof. 
a track like this is very similar to what he's used to racing on. You know, growing up in Australia, those tracks are all gnarly, and this place is no no different. So he's actually really, really quick here, and he was very strong at Mid-Ohio. So, um, yeah, he's just getting better and better in the car, and we're learning more and more about each other. And the greatest thing we have going for us is that even from the very first test, we barely knew each other. Uh, our feedback is almost identical, so our changes are generally in line with each other. So that makes life a lot easier. Yeah, that would. And, and how's it been gelling with this Rick Ware Racing team? Because it's a team you're associated with in so many different platforms. Well, the great part about Rick Ware Racing is Rick Ware. Like, he is so cool. He gives us everything we ask for. We have a brand new pit box coming, which I'm like, this one's fine, man. But he's like, just all this stuff. He, he loves this. I think, I don't want to say more than NASCAR, but I think he's a little more passionate over here. He just, he grew up road racing. He was a Trans Am guy and did some, some uh, IMSA stuff back in the day. So this is kind of where it all starts for him. But, uh, you know, we've got Eurasia guys here, which I'm still learning how to say anything I can in their native language. Uh, but this weekend we have Matt Harvey with us, who's been an engineer on the GT3 teams like Phoenix, WRT, Craft uh, Bam Bamboo. And the dude's a, like it's just a legend. And uh, so getting to work with him has been really great. And the things he's already showing me that he knows about the tires are huge, huge help. So I think it's so hard to win in this series. Yesterday there was 10 cars within a tenth, but having him here is a huge plus. So getting a podium this weekend, even more of a reward then? We, we need a good rate. I'd be stoked for a top five with no mistakes because we've just had we've had a lot of them, but they're self-inflicted. And part of having a new team and learning to grow and admitting when we make mistakes. I've made mistakes. Some of these guys have made mistakes. But at least we're all working forward towards a common goal. So I think we'll get there. Top six finish guaranteed. Good definitely, luck. Definitely. Yeah, I'll see you in the top six. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Eversley with Shea Adam down on the pit lane. It's John Heinoff and Jeremy Shaw in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Hello. Welcome along if you are just joining us. Good to have your company. A little after 9 o'clock, coming up to 10 after 9 here at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. That's 2 o'clock in the afternoon back in the UK, 3 in Europe. Still just on 40 minutes, just under 40 minutes to go. No major changes in the times last time around I see that let's just make sure that nothing has changed no it's fine go back to my timing screen uh, temperature coming up nicely uh, 21 in the air now 23 on the track Celsius that's 73 on the track or 70 in the air in Fahrenheit and the last uh, 20 minutes or so, Jeremy, for the LMP3s and the GTD cars. Again, not exactly the right sort of day, but when the traffic thins out about, we'll probably see some simulation of qualifying runs for the pro cars. Yeah, and it is going to be quite a bit uh, warmer when we come around for qualifying later on this afternoon. It'll take place at, uh, it'll start off for GTD at 12.40 local time here in Ontario so it, I, I'm not sure how representative is going to be uh, doing qualifying sims this morning but I'm sure they will will try that um, no major improvements uh, recently on the timing charts uh, Oliver Jarvis went has gone second overall now in the Maya Shank Acura second again uh, at, a, at a one minute 5.759 so that's only seven hundredths of a second behind the sister car the time that was set by Ricky Taylor no other recent imp yeah there wasn't a recent improvement Rega van der Zander into fourth position in DPI number zero one Cadillac 
105.978. So uh, we've got the top four cars now covered by less than three tenths of a second. Trissa Voce, number five car, is another half second back in fifth position. And then rounding out DPI field, Alex Lynn in the number zero two car. That car was out late in this session. Uh, missed the first of near you know, 10 minutes or so, most of it at least. Uh, that car's completed only 19 laps to the 28-29 of all the other DPI cars. In GTD, Russell Ward moved up to second in the GTD class in the Windward Racing Mercedes, a 1 minute, uh, one minute to 16.0, and against Frankie Montecalvo's 115.8. Uh, in between them is the pro car of Ross Gunn, the Aston Martin, also 1 minute 15.8. That time was set quite a long time ago. So it's all building up nicely here. But uh, certainly interesting in, in this session today, the Cadillac cars, Cadillac racing entries, 0102, 4th and 6th at the moment. That's not what they are looking for. Coming down to 34 minutes, Alex Lynn just rejoining in the 02 Cadillac racing car that's the black and dark red car the white and black car is Renger von der Zander he's still in the pit lane also in the pit lane the quickest car this morning so far 105.689 still has not been beaten that was Ricky Taylor time Philippe Albuquerque will last in that number 10 Alex Lynn 6th for Cadillac racing at the Chip Ganassi run team They won't enjoy being there. Now, they're only eight-tenths of a second away from the fastest time of the morning. Should mention that the bouncing number 60 Acura, Tom Blomqvist now in that car. Uh, Ollie Jarvis got to within 0.070 of a second. It was two and a bit tenths back to Ollie Pla early on. And Ollie Pla is, or Ollie Pla's teammate as it was, Pete Durrani. Ollie Pla is now out on the circuit and it's just had a wee moment out on the track getting a l left rear Michelin tyre off the track at the entrance to Moss Corner so he was trying to go uh, side by side sorry at the entrance to turn three so he was trying to go side by side yeah. with the number 54 the court autosport car yeah, he kind of tried to go around the outside, up the hill to the right-hander into Turn 3. Did the uh, wheel and engineering Cadillac uh, with uh, Olivier Pla uh, going around the outside of John Bennett in that court order sport. Ligette, it was super tight there, and Pla got well sideways going into the corner and had to kind of bail out of that one. Hey, it's uh, it's practice, Olivier, not not the race. Yes. Uh, no, he's, he's, he's struggled... A little bit in this car since being re since being in installed in that car in place of Tristan Nunez. I'm submit from the outside. I don't think he's been any faster than uh, Tristan Nunez was, but uh, uh, hey ho. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's he certainly had success here in the past with Louis Pla. So uh, excited to be back here again in this team. One one here in 2014 did Olivier. That was in the Morgan Nissan. LMP2 car back in 2014. Yeah, Sharing that, a car with Gustavo Yakim. Yes, I remember that. Day. So Tom Blomqvist out at the moment in second position. It, it was Ollie Jarvis who set that time, a 105.759, to uh, 
move into second position a wee while ago. And Ollie's time then just 0 0.070 behind. Ollie, one of the most respected drivers and development drivers around in this, was part of the Audi development driver squads and just when they were pulling out of the old LMP1 hybrid, did a lot of work on developing the GT3, the original GT3 concept cars. As Blomqvist goes to the top with a 105.677, so half a tenth or so, that's all, blink of an eye between him and Ollie Jarvis. And a spin for Sean Creech Motorsports, number 33, at Moss Corner, turn five. And it's Lance Wilsey behind the wheel of the Stars and Stripes, number 33. Canada Day weekend and, of course, Independence weekend as well. Lance just letting the car roll to the inside of the circuit. There's a couple of cars, including new fastest driver Tom Blomqvist, just goes through. Now, did he get a little bit of a helping hand? No, he did not. He just lost it in the first part of Turn 5 Moss Corner in that tricky little transition. Jeremy was talking about it earlier on, how it goes from a 90-degree right, a short straight and a 90-degree right. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? You wind the lock off, squirt it on a bit, and then turn it back in again. Except because it's on the side of the hill, that camber changes just lost the back end as he went across the top and the side of the hill there but no harm no foul spins to the left hand side the outside dropped his rear Michelin's over the kerb but was able to restart the engine and continue Tom Blomqvist in traffic at the moment but with a 105.677 last time around Jeremy is now 0.012 of a second better off than the second of the Acuras the time of Ricky Taylor from early on yeah, and and that 105, uh, 677, yeah, that is the fastest time of the uh, of the week so far. Uh, Tom Blomkvist's time yesterday, 105.712, so just uh, just four hundredths of a second or so quicker than yesterday. But uh, you know, I think you know, it's not easy to get clear laps around there at the moment. Uh, there's still uh, half an hour remaining in this session for the DPI teams. Fifteen minutes then. For the non-pro categories, GTD and LMP3, uh, but uh, that, that car has been fast. I mean, it's a brilliant lap to put that car on, on pole position for the Salem 6000 again one week ago by Tom Blomqvist. His first pole position in this series that was super satisfying, but uh, he was uh, so disappointed at the end of that at the end of that race. He got he got beaten off the start by uh, Philip Albuquerque, or not off the start line, but at the end into the bus stop at the the inner loop last weekend on the first lap of the race by Philip Albuquerque and that number 10 Polnick and Minolta car seemed to be carrying just a little bit less downforce than the number 60 Acura last week and that was the pivotal determining factor in that race because that extra straight line speed allied to the draft was uh, what enabled Albuquerque to take the lead at the, at the first lap of the race and also following the final restart as well just some uh, news coming in, by the way. You were talking about IMSA Prototype Challenge uh, earlier uh, on. Uh, that series will be replaced next year by the VP Racing Sports Car Challenge. This is single-driver, 45-minute sprints. 
uh, which will be five double headers for a 10 race season and uh, will launch in early 2023 featuring the Le Mans prototypes and GT4 cars. LMP3 and GSX is what they'll be called. Bronze or silver only. And, and that replaces the prototype challenge series. The pilot challenge continues in its two and two four hour races, of course. So that's new for next year, and we'll hear more about the schedule when it's unveiled as part of the annual State of the Sport presentation. Saturday, August the 5th at Road America, and we'll have all the details from President John Doonan uh, for that. So keep an eye out for a little bit more of that. IMSA VP Racing Sport Sports Car Challenge. IVSC, I suppose we're going to have to call that one. Uh, hopefully we'll be talking about that uh, with you next year and as I said double head head at races believe Jeremy and you're a bit closer to IPC than uh, than I am this is what the IPC have been taught, uh, asking for shorter shorter races um, and potential to just have a single driver to to do the races yeah, uh, I, I, apparently so, and uh, it's going to be you know, an interesting format. Uh, and yes, as you say, two races uh, per weekend for those teams. So I think you know it, that's good. I think really good value for money. There a little bit less track time overall, but um, but but barely. You know, two forty-five minutes races against uh, one hour forty minutes races as, as they are right now. So uh, I think it's I think it's a really interesting format. GT4 cars. Uh, we've seen what sort of excitement they have provided for the last few years in the Michelin Pilot Challenge series. They'll be, they'll be called GSX in that uh, in that UP Fuels Sports Car Challenge for next season. The, uh, but it is GT4 spec cars. The interesting and, and that GT4 alignment with uh, Stefan Mattel's organisation uh, renewed for multiple years uh, in the lead up to Watkins Glen. Uh, and they sail in six hours last week. What's interesting for me, Jeremy, is it gives the the uh, the driver, the bronze or the silver driver, who wants to drive a GT4 car, a GS car, in IMSA parlance, it gives them the opportunity to either be at the front of the field in a multi-class situation or in with prototypes and learning about being passed by prototypes. And I think that's a really interesting opportunity that IMSA are giving GT4 drivers. If GT4 drivers want to step up into the big show, into GT Daytona in WeatherTech, then they're going to have prototypes buzzing around them. If they've come straight out of Mission and Pilot Challenge, they're used to being the big dogs. I, I think this is really interesting that IMSA have, have, have provided this opportunity. Indeed so. And by the same token, you know, for the LMP3 drivers... Uh, gives them you know, a, a chance to have uh, to to, have, you know, to be able to negotiate the traffic that is the GT4 cars as well uh, for for them moving up into into the big series. Uh, we, we, it still hasn't been confirmed that LMP3 will be continuing in the IMSA World's Sports Car Championship, but uh, irrespective of that, uh, I think uh, it's a, it's a good move. It's as you say, IMSA. One of the great things about IMSA is they, they, they do pay close attention to what their stakeholders, i.e. competitors, say. 
and uh, that is what uh, they have determined that it, it should be a combined class for next year, season and I think it should be great uh, and let's uh, let's just remind everybody and Jerry Z who I know was at Watkins Glen last weekend trackside uh, presumably now back home I think it's in Florida Jerry isn't it that, uh, that you come from he says is it going to replace prototype challenge yes it is he said isn't there normally an extended Daytona race for the prototype challenge well there won't be um, what I, I suspect that we'll hear um, whether LMP3 will continue in WeatherTech for the longer races for those people who want to do longer races in LMP3 but again that comes down to the state of the sport the state of the series announcement which will be at Road America in August fifth, Saturday 5th of August it is when that is made and uh, we'll keep across all of that with uh, John Doonan and speak to him schedule will be announced as well for that VP IMSA VP sports car uh, championship uh, as well as for the other series and if you weren't listening at Le Mans on Haggerty Radio Le Mans or indeed last weekend at Watkins Glen uh, President John Doonan was being a bit of a tease to be honest when I asked him about the calendar lots of questions that I couldn't ask him about the calendar and he was just dropping a few hints that it might not be exactly the same as it has been in previous years, although he did underline, as he always does, and as Scott Atherton did before him, venue equity and date equity are so important to continuing the upward development of any sporting series. And therefore, we know that at this time of the year, we're at Canadian Time Autosport the Canadian Time Motorsport Park so listen out for that one 5th of August let's head to Shea Adam as we've got a new fastest lap of the race Earl Bamba with a 105.407 the Cadillacs now first and second after a quick lap from Renga van der Zander and Tom Blanc is going out again so let's find out uh, what uh, is happening down in the GT areas Aaron Tealitz who is still no he's not actually the fastest car anymore in GTD Pro that is the heart of racing Aston Martin go ahead Jay it's nice, though, Aaron, when you can get out of your Lexus and see top of the charts for the class. It's a very quick car this weekend. Clearly, it's handling the track well, isn't it? Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is a great track for a Lexus RCF GT3 car. And it's actually my teammate Frankie's favorite track we go to. So um, he's loving it here. It's great. It's good to feel like we're having a nice bounce-back weekend after Watkins Glen, where we kind of got screwed out of a decent position there. Um, so really, really glad to, to be in at Mosport, actually, for my first time, too. And talking about being here for the first time, big wide eyes coming into this race, but with so many cars passing you frequently, is that more taking your attention away? Uh, do you know what? So far in practice, I haven't had any prototypes do anything that crazy. Um, and to be fair, they're so much faster and they have so much more grip in a lot of places that they kind of aren't a huge issue yet. I'm sure in the race they're going to get more antsy and they're going to be all over us, maybe making more risky passes. But so far it's been all right. In terms of being uh, two cars, one team, even though you're in different classes, there's a lot of working together at Lexus, a lot like what I see down on Aston Martin. How much does that help on a race weekend when so many of the drivers have never been here before? Oh, yeah, it's a huge it's a huge help, especially because the cars in GTD Pro and GTD, they're, they're really the same, no difference. So we've got two cars essentially working together, building off of each other, trying to find the best setup for, for the track, and uh, so far, so good. 
you've been doing a lot of driving and a lot of coaching this year. Does that make coming to a new place a little bit easier? So, sorry, I missed the last part. Does that make coming to a new place easier when you've had so much seat time this year? Yeah, it does. I've been driving, it feels like almost every weekend or coaching every weekend. So really busy. I've been behind the wheel a lot. So yeah, when you get to a new place, um, it's nice to feel like you can pick it up quickly. Thanks, Aaron. Good luck this weekend. Yeah, thanks, guys. And it was the sister car, of course, that went off and caused the red flag earlier on for Ben Barnicott. Guys are already assessing that. And his teammate almost did exactly the same thing at exactly the same point in the circuit. Frankie Montecalvo flirting with disaster and dropping, what, a third of the left-hand side Michelins onto the dirt, but just Jeremy managing to drag it back last time around. Yeah, that was a great save by uh, Frankie Montegava because that, 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 that constant corner, I mean, you, you go into that corner uh, on the extreme left-hand side of the racetrack right next to the grass and you kind of follow that all the way around. I mean, you, you do get to an apex on the on the right-hand side of the racetrack, but very quickly you're back on the outside again and yeah, that's where the grip is, that's the fastest line and you've got to kind of, you've got to skirt that disaster if you like uh, up at turn three it's a, just a tremendous corner and as Aaron was saying it, you know, it's, it's Frankie Montecalvo who has set that time to be fastest overall in GTD this morning so he's really been on a tear he was quicker quickest yesterday or quicker yesterday as well than Aaron Tillett so yeah Aaron's for, for first time here doing a good job he was within a couple of tenths of a second yesterday. And he's turned some good laps again today. But Frankie out there again now. It will be Frankie, I think, who will be qualifying that car. That was the plan coming into the weekend. So he's get, getting out there now to find out really what that car has to get ready for this afternoon. So coming down to the last 15 minutes, just two and a half minutes before we flag off the LMP3s and the GTD. So a nice time for Frankie to put that time in. So it is the Vassar Sullivan RCF GT3 that's quickest in GT. Daytona, Russell Ward second for Winwood's Mercedes. That's the silver and black number 57. In third place, John... Uh, no, excuse me, wrong class. In third place, it is Robbie Foley in the number 96, the Turner Motorsport yellow and blue car. Then Brian Sellers for BMW. So the two BMs together there in GTD. Roman Angelus, Roman De Angelis and the 27 Heart of Racing Aston in fifth and in sixth, Ryan Eversley in the Rick Ware Racing Acura NSX. But let me see, where is Frankie's time? 10-3 to an 11-1. Eight tenths of a second near enough um, between uh, that field. In LMP3, it's still a Colin Brown time from earlier on in 11-3. John Bennett uh, still out in that car at the moment. Gar Robinson's in the fit pits in the number 74 Riley Motorsports red, white and black car. Then it's the number 30. Ari Bailock in the Junior 3 racing car. Gabby Chavez in the pits for the black and white 36 Andretti Autosport in fourth in LMP3. AWN Sean Creech Motorsport, the yellow and black number 13 and the Stars and Sprites 33 out on the track at the moment. And we have seen laps from 24 cars in this free practice two session, Jeremy. Indeed so, yeah, and the, the minimum number of laps completed by uh, any of the cars, uh, well, aside from uh, the, the number 14 Lexus, which of course crashed early on, that completed only uh, 13 laps in this session, but uh, the minimum laps by everybody else is the car that's fastest overall, that would be Earl Bamber in the number 02 car for Cadillac Racing, one of the Chip Ganassi entered cars. Uh, it was a great lap by him, 105.407, 
and that is uh, faster than Colin Brown's qualifying lap record setback in 2019. The the fastest uh, lap ever around here, by the way, in a prototype car was Dindo Capello in the Audi R10 TDI, 104.094. That was set back in 2008 in those uh, massively powerful, massively grippy, massively expensive Audi turbo diesel cars. So you see that time again, Jeremy? What a one or one of one of four zero nine four. Right, so a second and a half is the only difference between these cars at the moment. And you can't turn yeah. these cars up either, can you? So this is pretty much the engines are what you race them at. They're on smaller tires, they have about half the power and far less downforce. That's quite extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Because the corner speeds will be I bet the corner speeds are right there, if not higher on these cars. Yeah, I think they probably are higher uh, in these cars. You know, the tyre technology has come along a long way since uh, 2008, that's for sure. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of lap times we can get down to in qualifying this afternoon. If it's a little bit cooler uh, than I think it's likely to be, then I think tyres would be ridiculously fast. So I don't know, is that lap record under threat? Probably not. The, you know, the outright record under threat? Probably not. But still, I think we're going to see some very, very fast times. We already have done so far in this session. Well, Bamba faster said by about a quarter of a second over his teammate Sebastian Bourdais uh, and Tom Blomquist and Ricky Taylor. Those three cars, number 0160 and number 10, blanketed by, well, half of a tenth of a second. Yeah, and as Joe Bradley um, notably pointed out in our double trouble coverage at Sebring back in uh, the middle of March um, enjoy these DPIs enjoy them right now because these are the fastest sports cars on the planet at the moment, we saw them on the same track at Sebring and even with a tyre disadvantage i.e. running a spec tyre rather than confidential tyres uh, they were much quicker than the WECs I'm, I'm not saying better or worse, I'm just talking about outright speed and no criticism is intended or implied at the WECs but the WEC hybrids but these are the fastest sports cars in the world right now of endurance racing so revel in it um, the new GTPs I don't think will be um, quicker they'll be heavier and the idea is to obviously to slow them back I think it'll very much depend on if any of the ACO cars come to play in in IMSA as to how it is because there's no reason for the new cars to be very much slower than this but quite clearly I think it was was it three or four seconds Jeremy at, at Sebring from memory um, from the uh, the DPIs to the uh, to the uh, LM H's, the, the Le Mans hypercars that we saw in terms of, of speed differentials in favour of the DPIs? I don't think it was quite that much. I, okay. think, it was, I think it was a second and a half. I'll, I'll, okay. okay, I'll, I'll uh, game on, I shall check. Right, thank you. I knew you would have a piece of paper somewhere. Jeremy refers to notes. 11 and a half minutes still to go, and that means we have said a bit of fond farewell for the moment to LMP3 and GT Daytona. Nothing 
having changed since the times I gave you uh, uh, around about two or three minutes ago in our VP Racing Fuel in-session update. Eleven minutes on the nosy to go. Now, as the track thins out and we have only the six DPIs and the six GT Daytonas, around dozen, might we see the fact that we get a new set of Michelin tyres bolted on and some low fuel qualifying simulation runs. Coming to the line now, right in front of the, still I call it the new building, beautiful place to commentate from as we look out over the final corner through goes the 5 Tristan Fortier, JDC Miller Motorsports car, also the 0-1 Sebastian Bourdais have all his own way at Watkins Glen, was unhappy with the balance of performance last time out Bourdais at the moment needs to find two tenths of a second to challenge Earl Bamba's Cadillac but at least it's Cadillac on Cadillac here. Bourdais not happy with the pace of the Acuras. They're both sitting behind him at the moment. With Tom Blomqvist another third of a tenth back. And Philippe Albuquerque in the pits at the moment. Another 12 one-thousandths further back. Top three make that the top four. Separated by just under three-tenths of a second with nine and three-quarter minutes to go. Here comes Bourdais to the line. 1.05.644, his best time quite there yet he's just building temperature he's going to get a little bit of traffic ah, nice driving from uh, Ricky Taylor on an outlap as he pulled off the circuit to drivers right at over the brow at turn two to make sure that Bourdais was not impeded very good savvy driving by him and presumably his spotter No sign of the 0-2 car, but then again, that car was late on parade today. In GTD Pro, it is heart of racing, Alex Riberas in 14th overall, ahead of WeatherTech Racing's Mercedes BMW Team RLL. John Edwards trying to get a little bit more time out of that car. The Faf Porsche, the number nine car, the Plaid Porsche, the driveway machine. Mathieu Jaminet, who along with Matt Campbell, apart from being uh, global ambassadors for our friends at Sacred Coffee, have both been named as Porsche GTP drivers for next year. In the new 963, how good does that car look? Particularly in its red and white livery. Very evocative of the old Salzburg cars with the pinstripes on the middle part of it. Be Porsche Team Penske. Running both here in IMSA GTP and over in the LMDH category of the ACO World Endurance Championship. Meantime, Jeremy has been doing a bit of digging on lap, relative lap times between DPIs and 
WACs at Sabring this year. And again, I'm, I'm, we're seeing this as a comparison, not to say one is better than the other. It's different rule sets, so don't start picking sides of, of this fight. This is purely for comparison only. So what was the, uh, what was the differential? Yeah, a couple of seconds, basically, Okay. Uh, at Sebring. In, in qualifying the fastest lap, in qualifying for the Wednesday Sports Car Championship with Sebastian Bordet, 145.1 for the uh, WC. I think it was uh, Nicolas Lapierre set the fastest time at 147.4. So, you know, 2.3 uh, seconds there in race trim. Best in the WeatherTech Series was uh, Mike Conway at a 47.0 fastest lap of the race in WEC was a 49-0 by Matthew Vesuvier who uh, won that race of course in, in the uh, well in the grandfathered Alpine actually so that was that was the fastest car in that what, race. What was the WC. fastest LMDH um, uh, LMH car Jeremy? Do you don't know in the race. Right okay. Uh, because uh, it. Because uh, that Alpine was absolutely flat was, out all the way through it was a stunning piece of yeah. driving the first ever French team and manufacturer to win a WEC race. Um, I, I think I think the Toyotas and the Glickenhaus were probably about another half a second to a second uh, slower than that. So two and a half seconds or thereabouts. So we weren't a million miles off either of us. It was right in the middle of our guesses. Uh, new fastest lap in this, uh, if you will, simulated qualifying session. 105-1 for Tom Blomqvist. Goes back to the top of the charts. And Frank Montecalvo, this is his favourite track, isn't it? Uh, he, excuse me, Matthew Jaminet, um has bounced up to the very top of GTD Pro. Montecalvo did the fastest half of GTD. He's been in the pits for a little while. So Faf Motorsports, 115.788 for that car. And the number two's not come back out again, the 02. We'll get word from Shea on that before the next session and find out what's going on down there and he's still on the pit lane they haven't taken it back behind the wall but they've done around about a half of the laps of everybody else just over the half, laugh, half of the laps of everybody else they were a bit late out and then Earl Bamba gave it a good shakedown looks like they might be coming back out right now the car's down off its jacks the lights are on and Jeremy has found the fastest hypercar race lap type. Yeah, it was the, the Glickenhaus. So Romain Dumas at a 149.8. So right. 2.8 seconds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 2.8. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. there we go. Well, again, though, I, you know, I, I, thought, behind I, I, I thought it was about, you know, two to three seconds. So that's, yep. that's there right. or thereabouts. Uh, Alex Lynn's just come out for the 0 2 clearly stung by the fact that we were talking about it. They could hear us on uh, 90.7 FM and on the trackside PA. Thank you for all the effort to get us on both of those services. Remember on Sunday, you can follow the race live and without interruption on Sirius XM 207 if you're suitably equipped either trackside or further afield. And if you're not, you can always stream the audio. Uh, for those of you perhaps outside the US who are a little bit bandwidth strapped challenged don't want you uh, looking at your phone when you're in the car bluetooth it or listen to to it through your speaker uh, and we'll have all of the sessions between now and then for you uh, 
but uh, if you are outside the US US by the way it is an NBC network rate rate on Sunday check local listings for details is what I have to say there on a, a bumper motorsport weekend to be honest for NBC uh, motocross NASCAR um, IndyCar and IMSA all squeezed into the NBC motorsport weekend so uh, a lot of hard work going on from the NBC sports team uh, brothers and sisters in arms here comes Blomqvist he's been picked to the top by the Conning and Minolta Acura of Ricky Taylor this is a simulated session for qualifying isn't it there goes Blomqvist he does not improve we've got two and a half minutes left to go Ricky Taylor a 104.919 so Jeremy that is the first six, sub 65 second lap that we've seen this week. This is stunning stuff. You suggested that qualifying runs might get into the 104s and Ricky Taylor obliges. Pretty impressive. Really good lap there by Ricky Taylor. Uh, 104.919. A couple of tenths in hand there over, over Tom Blunkers, who's just done two almost identical laps. And Ricky Taylor there right on the limit up at turn three. I mean, right on the outside of the racetrack there, using every inch of that paved bit before we get on the really uh, gnarly grass. And uh, again, you know, some stunning lap times being, being turned by these two. Sebastian Bourdais uh, does improve again last time around, 15.225. So, but even that is a full tenth away from Blomqvist, who is two tenths slower than Ricky Taylor at the moment. So that's Jeremy Shaw with me, John Hindorf. This is really tight at the front of the field. Excitement yeah. rising here in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre with Edamitsu Mazda MX-5 Cup to come on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV. 90 seconds to go. Ricky Taylor crosses the line down towards Turn 1, Jeremy. Yeah, 109. That was a slow lap there for Ricky Taylor, but he's... He's attacking Turn 1, isn't he? Wow, Goodness man. me. Absolutely stunning. Right out to the outer edge of the racetrack. Almost uh, good, good for uh, a foul of the track limits there because that is one of the corners where there is asphalt outside of that kerb. If you go four wheels over the uh, red and white kerb in the exit of turn one, that can uh, result in your lap time being deleted. Uh, those track limits is a factor here. Several parts of this ratio, particularly turns one and turns two, uh, also eight as well. I think uh, the other corners are kind of self policing. Uh, because uh, there's no uh, no asphalt outside of the curbing. But, uh, yes, yeah, stunning lap times we're seeing. And, and same with GTD Pro as well. Matthew Jaminet to the top in a Fav car, based, of course, only about 45 minutes away here. Got a, a, a brand-new shop completed this year for Fav Motorsports, only 45 minutes away from the oh. track here. Uh, and this is another great lap from Ricky Taylor, isn't it? Oh, he's Tremendous leaning stuff. on it. Here he comes to the line. I'm not sure he's done enough. It was a very quick third sector, so that'll set him up nicely for this one. All the way to the red and white curbs. That's perfect through turn one. Now over the brow into turn two, down at the bottom of the hill. That Conic and Minolta Acura looks absolutely nailed to the ground through turn through, through turns two and three. Now under the Chevrolet Bridge. He'll turn left and start to plunge down into the dip before he climbs to Moss Corner. That's where he is now. Notably less oscillations on the front end of that car than we've seen from the number 60, Maya Shank Acura. Already onto the Mario Andretti straight, heading up towards the awesome turn in to turn eight. If you're here at the track, have a wander up to there and stand on the inside if you can. It is one of the great sights in motorsport. 
the way the cars change direction and then scrub off speed. Checkered flag is out. Coming to the final corner now. Not sure that Ricky has improved, but he doesn't need to because Blomqvist's already gone through. That was a 105-146 against his best of a 104-919. And that will be the time, Jeremy Shaw, that we will be looking at to be beaten when we come to qualifying because that is the fastest time of the event so far for DPI. Yeah, really impressive lap there from Ricky Teller. He was on the limit again at those last couple of laps. So 105, one. I mean, the the, the first of his lap uh, on, on this on this center tires was was just stunning. There, 104. The only guy into the 104s, but Tom Blunker said he turned well, at least two laps there within, and that's whisk of each other at 105, one. Uh, Ricky Taylor, his final lap was a 105-1 as well. But, uh, yeah, this is going to be an exciting session a little bit later on this afternoon. Uh, and some good improvements there also in GTD Pro towards the end. Matthew Jaminet to the top, as I was saying, at 115.763. Uh, but also improvements for uh, uh, Alex. No, Alex Rivas did not improve. Jordan Taylor did toward, to, to improve toward the end. Third fastest in GTD Pro. And... Uh, we've got a, a whole bunch of really, really close times, as ever, in the GTD category. Jeremy Shaw was alongside me. John Hindoff in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Shea Adam was our pit reporter. That thanks to Roger Vincent and the team for making sure we could see all around the circuit. Don't go too far away on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV next. It's Itamitsu Mazda MX-5 live from Road America. And we'll be back with more here at Canadian Time Motorsport Park later on today. It's action all day this Saturday. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.